Good morning and good afternoon, and welcome to an animated episode of Random Trek. I am your cell-shaded captain, Christopher Ingle, joined as always by my 2D polygonal first officer, Brennan, the mystical Mar. Brennan, how you doing this week? Yeah, thank darn cybernetic implants are messing up on me again. <laughs> yes, yes they are. Uh, this week we're doing a, a animated double feature. We are taking a look first at the original animated series, uh, Season 1, Episode 8, The Magics of Megas 2, followed by the pilot episode, Season 1, Episode 1 of Lower Decks, Second Contact. Uh, but first, we will we'll take a look at that. Uh, but we did have some good news that's positive for Prodigy this week, Brennan. Uh, the the people over at Paramount have agreed to allow Google, Apple, and Amazon to put uh, Star Trek Prodigy back on their listings. So now it is available for purchase again to see. They had removed it at all uh, in all avenues, but it has now been returned back. I think this is this is both good news and bad news. Good news, it's returning to different services. Bad news, we're having to pay for it, but it shows that the fans do want it. Very good to hear. Very good. Great to hear about that. Hopefully, uh, we'll continue to hear more positive directions with everything. And uh, as we record, it is the weekend of San Diego Comic-Con. And on uh, uh, tomorrow, uh, according to our recording time, uh, they will release news uh, as there is going to be a huge Hall H panel for Star Trek. Uh, and so hopefully next week, uh, before uh, we begin our episode, we'll get to uh, update a little bit on what happened at Comic-Con and what was announced. So we're looking forward to that. Interesting. Okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. But uh, let's get to the magics of Megas 2. Uh, Brennan, you and I don't have the greatest history with the animated series, do we? Not yet. Not yet. Uh, I'll just ask it outright. Does this episode change that? This particular episode? This particular episode. Nope. Nah, doesn't with me either. But uh, <laughs> let's get into kind of a quick review of this episode, and then we'll we'll go at it. So the Enterprise is exploring the center of the galaxy, uh, and it's kind of caught in a matter energy vortex thing, and the s computer system shut down. A being named Lucian shows up on the bridge, just appears like a Q does, uh, and repairs the systems, and then he takes the crew to explore his planet, Megas 2. Uh, but the laws of physics do not apply. In fact, we would say that the idea of magic and witchcraft exist on this planet. Um, but with the approach of other Megans, Lucian teleports the crew back to Enterprise so they're not discovered. While waiting, the crew discover how to use magic. Uh, Lucian shows up and warns the crew that their experiments are going to draw attention. And please don't do that but it's too late. The Enterprise crew are transported back to the planet, which appears to look like Salem from 1691, and that the Enterprise crew are now up for witch trials. Mm -hmm. uh, now we find out that the Megans are an ageless species, and at one time they did live on Earth. Uh, so according to, uh, contrary to modern assumption, the people that were executed in the witch trials were all real witches, or they were Megans. Uh, which is how they were driven from Earth, why they left. The Megans then put humanity and the Enterprise on trial for what 
they did back in the 1600s. Kirk testifies that a human humanity has progressed since 1691. And examining the ship's records, the Megans do agree that uh, that the coming to Megas 2 was a freak accident. They weren't looking for it. Uh, and we don't need to fear human invasion. But Lucian is condemned for isolation to isolation for bringing the humans to the Megan world. Now, Kirk argues that this is cruel and unusual punishment for Lucian, um, who by himself uh, sought out humans for companionship. But the Megans claim that Lucian is actually Lucifer, the devil. Mm. Kirk scoffs at this idea as he doesn't believe in the his uh the the his the accuracy of Christian tradition and engages the Megans in a magical battle to determine Lucian's fate. The Megans then reveal their threat to punish Lucian was a test to determine if humanity had truly changed and evolved. Uh and based on Kirk's compassion, they promise to welcome future humans to their planet. And they return the Enterprise to its native universe. All right, Brennan. Um, how did you feel? It was all over the place. Yeah, I think. Um, I just didn't really get it. I didn't really get what's going on. Mm -hmm. This um, this yeah oh, man yeah I'm agreeing with you. I I 100. This was all over the place. Um, and mind you, I don't mind a light episode with the idea of magic or this question of what is science, what is magic, because we've had that theme before. The idea that what one civilization calls magic often is science they don't understand. So we've had that theme before, but this outright says that in this universe, it's a matter of magic and a matter of believing. And when Spock is the one to prove it, something's wrong here. That's crazy to me. But yeah. the bigger problem I have with this episode is one that is kind of personal. I I am a, I am a Christian. I am a Christian heavily. This, this paints the character of Lucifer, the devil, in a positive, compassionate light. And we here at Random Trek are not here to push our personal views onto our listeners in any way, shape, no, or form. No, no, no. <laughs> However, as a Christian, I'm insanely uncomfortable with this. Very I... uncomfortable with trying to make the devil or, you know, to make Lucifer a compassionate, friendly character. I think there are a lot of uh, potential problems that add to doing something like that. Yeah, I think that certainly the headcanon could be that maybe the he is Lucifer only in the sense of humans took him for Lucifer anciently, which mm -hmm. I, I could buy that. Um I mean, whether or not the Megans are actually saying he is, as in the Lucifer that we all talk about, whether it's just that's one of the names he's been called over the years. I don't know. I mean, it didn't bother me that at all. It just, I looked at it and went, that's a very strange choice. The problem we face with this idea, though, and, and I, I, 
I am heavy to to doubt that this was incidental because he's got satyr horns. He's mm-hmm. got the cloven hooves. He has got all of the Eurocentric images that were depicted during the Renaissance of what the devil would look like. Now, whether you give into that, that that's artistic representation or not, that's not the point here. The idea being that it clearly represents the common image that we expect of what the devil is. And it really is kind of a point of the... When they were making it, it's apparently the, the studio centers. Mm-hmm. We're much more comfortable with what about the Enterprise meets the devil instead of the Enterprise meeting God, which is what the original idea for this episode was. Mm-hmm. And imagine then if uh, if they had an alien that's like, oh yeah, this is the one that you call God. That might have made us even more uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, DC Fontana, who again we call the godmother of of Star Trek, no mm-hmm. questions asked. She was aware of the theme and that it was going to be controversial. Absolutely, this was not written by DC Fontana. It was written by Larry Brody, yeah. but Fontana definitely was in contact with Brody during this process. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fontana said it caused quite a bit of uh, consternation. It was about the devil, and the devil has problems, you know. But we were also saying if there there's a devil, then there must be a god. But a lot of people took offense to the fact that we were supposedly showing the devil in a sympathetic manner. So it seems that back then they had the same concerns that I myself see now. And I really didn't see that view of it that DC Fontana did. Mm. I I really didn't. Um, yeah. You know, it, it is what it is. And again, I'm fully aware to say that my beliefs kind of probably clouded my view of it or at least shaped the lens in which I viewed it. But it's definitely still one of the more I've never had a Star Trek episode truly uh make me wince. And I went, can they get away with this? Did they get away with this? Could they get away with this? You know, it's it's a really interesting and doing it in animation meant for children. I am so surprised this got by the censors in the 1970s. Mm-hmm. That really surprised me. You know, because your censors, think about it, your censors were all, were all um, you know, these are people that were probably World War II vets. These are people who were traditionalists. You know, you would not expect this. So I'm just yeah, and- really surprised this made it through and was able to air. Now, in what sense do they make this character sympathetic, do you think? I think the idea that he's friendly, the idea that he just is wanting a friend, and Kirk, our hero, who we've established as as someone that people want to be. They want to be Kirk. Kirk is our, our viewpoint most of the time. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we look up to Kirk. We trust Kirk mm-hmm. to do the right thing. So the fact that Kirk stood up for him and said, hey, Christianity's not always been the most accurate in its traditions. Whoa, mm-hmm. Kirk, are you kidding me? Are, well, that are, are does you sound like that? something Kirk would say. It does. Because that's what Gene Rodinary would have said. Absolutely. So. Gene loved this. Gene loved this script. And again, we're we're not ridiculing them for their personal beliefs and how that, you know, I, I'm trying to look at as objectively as I can, but I can't help but state for me how this really made me feel. 
Mm. I just felt very, very, very uncomfortable about this. It didn't, um, it didn't gel with me very well. I, I, again, any idea where you try to make the devil sympathetic in any kind of way is really tough ground. That's tough ground. I don't know if I can walk. That does remind me of the the, the, the natural seasons. Mm-hmm. Well, Thomas More said he would get the devil benefit of all. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I have another issue with this. Anyhow, a big concern. Yeah, we'll leave a, the devil thing aside. Yeah. Well, let's let's put that aside. I have other more in-universe things that bother me a little bit about mm-hmm. this episode. Number one. We're at the center of the universe. Oh boy. Um, Star Trek Five, anyone? Mm-hmm. We've dealt with this numerous times that at the very center of the universe and the edge of the universe, there is a barrier that exists, an energy. But I don't know what way you want to call it, but it's very difficult to get through. Or a Star Trek Five shows, it's not difficult at all. Anyway. But mm-hmm. the idea being that this is very treacherous. Uh, they're investigating the very center. So you're telling me in Star Trek V, they don't remember doing this? They would have gone to the center. Could the guy that we met on Shakari been the exact same planet, one of those guys that we met? Like, what is going on here with using the center when we established the danger of going to the center? Well, we actually don't know if that planet... And Megas 2 is at the center because they allowed those weird space whirlpool thing to take them somewhere. Yeah. But yes, where is the big blue barrier? Mm-hmm. Now, what's interesting to that to me, though, is that the idea would connect then when we talk about this being and his I am God. That actually would connect with this episode if mm. this is Megas two or some derivative of that. Unless the it, it is it ooh 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 unless the blue barrier started thought it's just the Megans messing with the crew again. Maybe possible, but this episode says we will allow people to get through to come to us. Yeah. Okay. okay. Good okay. point. Yeah. Okay. Sure. I, I think there's a lot of what if possibilities here that would explain escaped and then messed up everything. Yeah, there you go. Y- yeah, I, I just it's Q. It's Q. It's always it's always Q. Q. It just is one of these things that we we establish one thing and then we do another. And I know, especially with original series, continuity is not something you can hold on to. And the animated series often gets ignored in the rest of Star Trek. Almost always. Almost always. Absolutely correct. Um, but it just this episode was so awkward to me. And and here's the idea from from a writer's standpoint, the idea of taking taking figures of faith, and that's exactly what the what God and angels and the devil, they are creatures of faith. They absolutely are beings that exist. We can't see them, we can't touch them, we believe that they exist, they are faith-based. Okay. The idea of taking that and turning it on its head a little bit isn't a terrible idea. Because as I said earlier, we've approached the idea of magic and science and that magic is just science we don't understand. Okay. So is it possible that God is just a level of being that we have not reached? A level of being we don't understand? 
Personally, I think that's very, 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 very possible. Personally, a, I think he is. But there's yeah. a great way to handle that without conflicting with biblical studies. I think you can do that. Mm-hmm. But this, again, is a really rocky ground and flirts the line dangerously. And it just feels very, it, to me, it felt uncomfortable to me. It, I'm it, comes, a, it comes close to saying that Christianity is all wrong. It almost said that when Kirk Which Star said, Trek has gotten pretty close to before. They have said that before. But I also think that Star Trek has done a great job of admitting that people have a right to to believe and, and yeah, feel what these, they want. Space Nine really helped there. You know, but I'm still holding my breath for the Star Trek Christmas episode. When does we ever going to get that? We've had every other space holiday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> even even Star Wars got a holiday special. Give us something Star Trek. <laughs> Don't mention it. <laughs> um, but this is the one thing about Star Trek. The one thing that bothers me, and that is its denial of of faith. And DS Nine did a great job of of kind of touching on faith it ignores Christianity entirely and we can take it or leave it the way we do. I I just, I I feel this is a very dangerous balancing act that is very hard to manage. And I would rather, I would rather an extension of Gene Roddenberry's philosophy. I would rather them not touch it at all than to make the attempt and look bad either way. Mm. I, I, I would rather them have just not done it. So by that saying, I would rather them not have done this episode. You know, it yeah, just probably not as as harsh, but um, I just I think for me, what it all came down to was they set up a lot of interesting ideas here. Mm-hmm. That's that's all it really does with it. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and there's stuff that it says. Here's this bit of information, but we'll never touch that again. Yeah. And they never um, do. This is never touched on again until the idea of Star Trek V. You know, and what does God need with a starship? You can question all day long what that alien was, who he was, where we could question it all day long. That's part of the point of that is not knowing within ourselves and the faith and the belief. There's so much about inner. It's true. Faith. Then they Megan say, but this guy actually is Lucifer. It's like, wait a Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like, wait a minute now. <laughs> and the fact that you saved that until the end, but let's face it, I was kind of pegging that from the beginning. They saved it to the end tells me how serious they also felt in it. So and um but we're not we're not here to be prudes and saying how dare they, but no, exactly. And it is what it is, and it is a part of Trek history. It's just for me personal me personally. This is the first time ever I'm never going to come back to this episode. I just. Well, I wouldn't <laughs> come back to it just because I didn't think it was that good. Even the bad Star Trek episodes, I come back to time from time to time. This one is just going to, eh. Except for the season finale of season two of TNG. We never, ever go back to that just because it's pure bad. Well, be careful. <laughs> you might get there eventually. The randomizer shall be mean. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, um, but yeah, I, I mean, I, the idea there could have been done better. The idea is an interesting concept, but you've got to handle it well, well, well if you're going to flirt with that line. Mm-hmm. And I just don't think it handles it well. 
Yeah. And overall, it's just, I don't think it's that good of an answer. Yeah. The it, science it, makes no sense. The star date's weird. Mm -hmm. The story presents ideas and then never uses them. Yep. Uh, and it's in one ear out the other. It kind of is, yes. But we go from something unintentionally irreverent to something absolutely purposefully irreverent. You got it. And that is Lower Decks. Yes. And actually, we're going to take a look at the pilot. I we get to watch. I love it when we look at pilots. Pilots are so fascinating this because might it's, be one of the best. This sets the tone for us. It so might be one of the best first episodes of the Star Trek series. It absolutely is. We talk. We have talked about lower decks before, but this essentially sets up the premise for us. So we actually meet uh, Ensign uh, Tendi. Uh, Ensign Tendi is. Yay new to Starfleet, and she arrives on the Cerritos and is met by uh, Brad Boimler. Brad is her uh, uh, her her introduction. Well, don't uh, forget the very first cold open. The very the very first cold open is Captain's Log, and it's it's Boimler narrating. And, it's hiding and in a closet. He's hiding a in a closet, and, and Mariner comes like, oh, you're making a Captain's Log. Why are you making a Captain's Log? Do you sure leave? Is this what you... And she's razzing on it. And he's like, and oh. that <laughs> is an incredible introduction because immediately you get the tone mm -hmm. and you get to meet these two characters and you get to figure them out. Yeah, yeah. Um, like immediately, you know, like her bat left cuts his thigh. And yeah, let's, you know what? Instead of start screaming and. Uh, we'll get into what happens in this episode. Let's talk a little about their character because I don't think we've really had mm. much of a chance to delve into this. So we have Boimler. And, and actually, this is important too because those of you following along and listening, next week mm. is the infamous crossover episode on Strange New Worlds with Lower Decks, and where we meet a live-action Boimler and Mariner. Mm -hmm. And potentially, I have heard rumors, I do not have a confirmation of this in any way, I'm not an expert, but I have heard rumors that we may see Captain Pike in animated form. At some point. Maybe. At some point in the episode. Uh, and it is directed by Jonathan Frakes. Mm. I love this idea. This is great. I can't wait to watch this episode it, mm -hmm. I I won't get too much into it, but the idea being, this is convenient. We're talking about these characters. So anyway, we have we have uh, Boimler, Boimler. They're all ensigns, by the way. All four of them that we're talking about are all ensigns. Uh, Boimler is a, a very by the book Starfleet officer. Wants to be a captain one day and is an overachiever. And but he's so wound up tight. He is our straight man, but he's wound up. And real he's tight. really good with the ladies, even if he doesn't realize it. He has no clue. <laughs> he has no clue, and all the ladies like him, which is really kind of funny. Yeah, he's very wound up. Uh, he works on the bridge. He he works on the bridge. Uh, then we have Mariner. Uh, Beckett Mariner. She is the exact opposite of him. He, oh, she is word. so loose and crazy, and we find out she's been on five different ships and demoted twice. So she's an ensign by choice. Uh, but she's all gung-ho. Let's go have fun. We meet her, and she's got contraband. She's got Romulan ale, which is blue instead of green. Never realized that. Okay. Uh, and then breaks out a bat left and jams it into Boimler's thigh. Yes. 
immediately you get to know these characters. Yeah, she's she is crazy, and I she love takes that. nothing serious. Yes, uh, and of course, then we meet Tendi. Tendi is an aspiring chief medical officer or science officer. You know, to those who watch Community, Tendi is like the Allison Bury of the group. She's so positive. She about wants everybody to like her, and yes. she wants you know, and wants then, everybody to like her and be her friend. Yeah, her her counterpart, her counterpart. I love trying to say that word incorrectly. <laughs> uh her counterpart is uh Rutherford, our resident cybernetically enhanced individual. Yeah. He is he is also very good with the ladies, as we see, mm-hmm. but his true love is engineering. Yeah. And it, he it, Oh, he man. gets so distracted easily by engineering stuff. But he and Tendi work so well together because they're both very similar characters. Different areas of, of focus, but same thing. Yeah, and Tendi is our aspiring medical officer. Yes. Uh, and Tendi, I, be- I believe, although canonically not really, well, she is one of the first Orion females, it said in the fleet. But if you go to the Kelvin universe, we have Orion females, so I don't know how that worked. Call it the Kelvin verse. We'll go with that. Uh, but she makes mention of that later. And she's not. She doesn't make use of her Orion Wiles the way other yes other yeah, Orion females do. Um. So she she is um she joins the so ship. If she um, ever turns turns that on, I wonder what it would happen. I have no idea. <laughs> That's a good point. So uh, Boimler is uh asked to the captain's uh to the to the ready room uh to meet with the captain. Uh, and the the Captain Freeman says, hey, I need you. I have a special mission for you. And he's like, yes, sir. And she's like, I need you to report on Beckett Mariner. Watch her every move. And if she does anything wrong, I want to know about it. Uh, and he's like, uh, uh, okay. And he does it because, you know, he's 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 a kiss ass. He wants to be <laughs> he wants to be the captain one day. So that's what he's going to do. Uh now, the, the job of the USS Cerritos and the crew of the Cerritos is to focus on second contact. And we all know what first contact is. First contact is when you meet a brand new species and you introduce yourself and, you know, it's first contact. Not violating but, the prime directive. And not violating the prime directive. But for every first contact, there must be a second contact. And that's where you go back and sign the paperwork and make sure they spell the planet's name right. I think I'm quoting here. <laughs> Uh, but basically, Indeed. they kind of set up that that link uh, with with uh, the species. That's what the Cerritos' job is. Uh, so um, they have to go down to the planet, uh, and they, they go down to finish setting up second contact, and we meet the first officer. Uh, our first officer, he's so interesting. Uh, yes, he voiced, voiced by Jerry O'Connell. Yeah, uh, I love him. Jack Ransom. Uh, we'll learn more. Actually, when and we... if you don't know who Jerry O'Connell is, he's like the face of science fiction in the nineties. He was. He was on sliders for every season. Yes. Uh, yes. But the funny thing about Jerry O'Connell is who he is in real life. Jerry mm-hmm. O'Connell is married to Rebecca Ramon, so we have the first married first officers. Hmm. It's kind of cool. Married to her, I'm not jealous. Yeah, I I think that's pretty cool. I had no clue. I'm not but, jealous. None and actually, <laughs> I used to be able to point out Jerry O'Connell anywhere. I can't hear it in the voice, and I've tried. 
No. But it's Jerry O'Connell. No. On the go. Yeah. That's cool. That is awesome. Anyway, uh, so he comes back, but he's got like like a biter or something on his neck. It's really weird. Uh, so down on the planet, Boimler is is they're setting up a comms array and everything, and he notices that Beckett uh drives away in an Argos kind of vehicle with supplies and he chases her down and sees her about to give supplies uh to these people that live on the planet and he jumps out and he's like ha I caught you but she's like what he's like I knew it you're selling arms you're doing this all this and we open it up and it's farming equipment and she's trying to help them and she's like yeah I was on the last ship that came here for first contact these people need help if you would ask me you would have known Oh, but the uh, the farmers also use uh, they farm their milkers and what they milk is a giant spider and the spider mm. gets out and uh, uh, sort of attacks Beckett and, <laughs> and Boimler. Uh, and so they have this whole try to hide from the spider, keep it from biting them. And she yells at him, take off your clothes. What? Why am I taking off? Just do it. And he takes off their clothes. Uh, and it create dummies and they watch from trees up above uh, and it goes after Boimler's clothes and he's like why is it going after just me why did it go after yours can we wait for it to go after yours and she's like no jump on it you know and, and she gets messing with him and Boimler it, it, this sets the tone for Boimler that he's going to be the guy we beat up on the entire series and we've seen it in in episodes that we reviewed oh my word uh, him and the plate, you know, and and the things he has to go through, uh, the um, the time with the the holiday or the was it the holodex, um, mm-hmm. and then season one when he's aboard or season two episode one when he's aboard uh, the Titan, yeah, the ribbing he gets while he's there too, like he, he this is the guy we're gonna beat up on. And all the um, ladies fall in love with him, but he never notices. He has no clue. Season three, yeah, there's a moment in season three you really see that. That's funny. So, 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 so funny. Anyway, um, meanwhile, on the ship, this virus starts to spread as, as Commander Ransom, um, he, he bursts out and it, they start trying to eat everybody and it affects everyone and starts to spread. But meanwhile, uh, Rutherford is on a date with um is she a trill Lawrence, yeah it's a large she's a trill uh it's a large she's a trill and they really get along and have the hots for each other very mm. much so and so all of this is happening but they're carrying on with their date the whole time so what do you do for fun oh you know they, this is what they do what kind of music do you like you know they're talking with each other uh eventually they want to escape to the front of the ship and they can't get through because everybody you know is attacking uh, and so they go for a spacewalk. And again, during the spacewalk, they have fun with it. What kind of music do you like? Oh, I like this classic Earth band, the Monkees. Do you know it? Let's just say that I'm a believer. And I'm like, oh, mm. come on. But that's the kind of corny that Rutherford is. He's just corny in every shape of the word. I think it's distracted um, by other engineering stuff that she gets yeah. Uh Yeah, they get inside the ship and their combat is supposed to automatically open the door, but it doesn't. And he's freaking out. He's like, why is that? And she was like, uh, don't you want to continue the day? No, I want to figure out why this isn't working. Doesn't that, inter-? you know, he's like, that's where you see he's more interested in engineering than he is. Yeah. You know, um, it's, it's so funny. Uh, meanwhile, Tendi meets Dr. Teana. Uh, mm-hmm. We love Teana. Our Teana. fellow medication doctor. 
She is so funny. Jillian Vigman. Like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jillian Vigman uh, uh, meets her. And she, <laughs> Tiana comes in. I'm supposed to work with the nurse. That is the nurse. And she is some creepy guy who's all all bitey out, zombified. And she's like, I was really looking forward to working with you. It's so funny. Mm-hmm. Um, eventually, uh, what happens is we go back to the planet. Boimler gets eaten by the spider, but it it's a vegetarian, so it's just suckling in for the moisture. Which is so disgusting. <laughs> it's but so hilarious. disgusting, and they just let it happen. And he gets this goo all over him, and he's just and then when he when he spit out, he has no clothes. It's like I have no clothes. Can somebody get me clothes, please? It's so mm-hmm. pathetic. So they put him in overalls. He's all covered in goo, and he, they get back just in time to beam up. They beam up, uh, and Taana notices the goo on him and scans it. And they realize the goo can save everyone. So they get him back to sick bay, replicate the goo, and it, it works perfectly. And Captain Freeman was like, Congratulations, senior officers. You did a great job. And 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 the rest of the lower deckers, were like, wait, Boimler saved you. Boimler's and they're like, let's go on, senior officers, and they leave. And we get this running theme of it's gonna be the lower deckers against the senior officers. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's so funny. These four together, like this, is fast paced. I believe animation. So I bet next week, uh, next week, Stranger Worlds episode, it's gonna be a doozy. I can't right. wait to see it. Uh, but this uh, is done by the same people, uh, not writing wise, but in terms of animation, done by the same people that do Rick and Morty. Mm-hmm. So it has that same fast paced, breakneck uh, uh, animation style. Uh, it's always moving. also that merry meta humor and things like that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I can't go into it here, but the number of references that Mariner makes to past Trek is disgusting. And this whole series, it will always be that way. Mm-hmm. They will reference past Trek continuously. Like okay. in the last 30 seconds, she's like, uh, you know, Spock, he came back from the dead. And then he went and saved with the whole whales and then went to meet God. And she's like, like they're rapid firing going and you know gary mitchell no i don't know that guy you know, look it up you know like she just starts to and wharf you know wharf she just keeps going and it's like this show was made for fans 100 <laughs> percent. Yeah. it's funny if you're not a fan but if you're a fan you're gonna really love this and they're very like meta about it all so yeah I, I yeah the 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 meta is no problem and I, I i just i love the jokes and where they go with this like uh in a whole there's a whole nother episode where q makes an appearance mm-hmm. and q was like i'm going to make you play and she's like all right q i am not having a good day now leave me alone and she walks away q's like what and it was voiced by john delancey but it's just that kind of irreverent we're we're gonna mess with the expectations here. Mm-hmm. The thing is that 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 all of these characters are so unique and so fun. I, I absolutely love though that Mariner is kind of the real voice in a way of us. Mm-hmm. You know, she's just having fun fast and loose and playing with it like a fan would. If you or I were in this world, tell me we would not have fun. Like, oh my god, that's where Kirk was. Oh no way, that's what you know. We would do mm-hmm. the same thing. We would have fun. We'd swing around a bat lift. We'd want to drink Romulan ale. Like, we probably would be her. Mm-hmm. I really feel that way. Uh, so I, I, I love this. This is such a great pilot. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, this this is one of the best ways to introduce the series. If you were to rank it, just just hypothetically, you say this. If you say this is the best, what does it be? What is the next one on this list in terms of pilot first episodes? Ooh, um, man. Well, well, no one has gone before, or no, or no man has gone before. That's good. He's definitely up there through a pilot episode. I, I'm torn because I love Voyager's pilot. Mm. The caretaker is really mm. good. And and Farpoint. Farpoint State is actually a really good pilot. Mm. You don't like him? No. Oh no. wow. No. We did we 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 rarely differ like this. I love those those pilots. I thought they were great. Set the premise really well. Get to know our characters a little bit. I I I, I like emissary thinks a fairly good pilot. Yeah, emissary's not not bad. I, I, I know. I'm just a fan of encounter thoughts like or caretaker because they also show the weaknesses of the series. That's well, that's true. I think we have another advantage with this too, in that it's a half an hour. Most of our other pilots are an hour, or mm, in later cases. True two That's hours true. long so new trek has been That's one hour true. all the new trek discovery uh uh picard all of those ha- live action have been one hour but from from tng tng ds9 voyager and enterprise they were all two hour once so i i think it's interesting that this this and uh animated series are the only ones to have half hour pilots but this is the only one that is on its own. Because if you think about it, TOS animated is just a continuation of TOS. Mm-hmm. So this really had a lot to, to stand on. And when we heard, and we've talked about this before, when we heard animated Star Trek, Lower Decks, and then they talk about it, I wasn't sure. As a comedy, they said it was a comedy. I went, I don't know if Star Trek comedy can work. Not on a long term. I don't know if it can. I was wrong. And this show mm-hmm. starts out so strong in doing that. I I love it. this is one that I hope will not uh not be canceled. At least not anytime soon cuz I mm-hmm. love this series. Uh I I I love it so much. It's so much fun. These characters are great and it's really fun to play find the easter eggs in every mm-hmm. episode. Favorite part of this episode, Brandon? Oh wow! Um, uh, that's a mm. let me look. I mean, my word, that's a that is hard to say for sure. Um, because it, it's only like twenty five minutes, but again, that breakneck pace—you don't get a lot of time to breathe. I mean, but in for... everything with Tendi, I said on this show before that if um. I lived in Star Trek, I would totally be asking out Tendi. <laughs> um, it, it just, and stuff that you think would drive her crazy or gross her out, she's like, this is so cool. Yeah. So anything with Tendi, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I, I think for me, my favorite part. Gosh, I, 
I don't know. It's just there are so many great quotes mm-hmm. that are, are fabulous in here. Like like Ransom. I, I love when the heel Ransom. Uh, and he says, what happened? Where am I? Did I eat flesh? Uh, hardly any. How much should I eat? Like, I mm-hmm. love that freak out. Just these these moments of freak out uh, are great. Tendi, you know, are you still happy to be here? Are you kidding? I got to hold a heart. She was holding Phillips's heart in her hand. It was it was kind of funny. Uh, yep. Tendi is is great. Rutherford and his 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 kind of innocence, but yet how much he loves engineering. I love it. Mariner and the stick up his butt. <laughs> There's no other way to describe Mar- or Mariner or not Mariner, Boimler. Uh Boimler's yeah. stick. Mariner is continuously trying to change that. Um, um but I do like that Dr. Tiana gets bleeped out. That that makes me laugh. <laughs> She's the kind of officer I want I want to serve with. I like that yeah. th- that boldness. Mm-hmm. This is this is fabulous. I, I love this. This this series is is just so great. I can't wait. I believe this fall or late late fall we're gonna get the next season for this hopefully that doesn't change i'd like it mm-hmm. to not change uh so we'll see what happens however with the writer strike and the actor strike who knows when we will get this but until then we get to enjoy three seasons of this show uh, mm-hmm. and it's really easy to take on final thoughts indeed you do um this is great and this sets the tone for the show mm-hmm. it's hilarious um in so many ways and it's meta commentary but and it's still star trek mm-hmm. it's not a, it they're still taking it seriously <laughs> they're taking the the star trek world seriously yeah but just having fun with it Mm-hmm. You know, I, I I agree. I really like that this sets the tone, and the tone is that we can have fun with Star Trek. We don't have to be straight serious all the time. Mm-hmm. We can have a blast, and yet it's still Star Trek. Mm-hmm. I love that, and I feel this. I I do feel that like a lot of the series that we're getting is really starting to hit different avenues that are not traditional with star trek and yet can be like this this is the more adult risque humor but it can work mm-hmm. and still be star trek we have prodigy it's more childlike it's meant for the kids and yet it can still be star trek strange new worlds strange new worlds is nostalgia 100 percent, mm-hmm. and yet it can still be new and fresh and still be star trek you know, I think all of the series of of late have really tried to grow in that idea of expanding what Star Trek is. And the fact that we have Rick and Morty meet Star Trek. In fact, I wouldn't mind a crossover once in a while of that. Every once in a while, I'd love to see it. Just Okay, just once. Just once I want to see Rick and Morty show up on the Cerritos and yeah. see what happens. And turn into a pickle. Oh, turn into a... <laughs> I can't wait till we talk about Badgie. Oh, I love Badgie. Oh man, what's wrong, Badgie? Badgie is the um the holographic simulation of the com badge that uh, Rutherford made. That's that right. Evil. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh, I love Badgie. Badgie's so great. Oh, anyway, yes. anyway, 
Uh, so next week, uh, next week is movie movie day, and we ran out of thirteen films. We went through all of Star Trek. So next week, we decided that we want to watch the greatest Star Trek film that is not a Star Trek film, but might as well be. We're going to take a look at 1999's Galaxy Quest. I'm looking forward to this because this film is so much a combination of the meta and the narrative together. And I love it. And and for those of you listening who haven't seen it, watch it. And also, keep in mind, it's not a parody per se. It is, but it isn't. And I like that. It is, but it isn't. Yeah, I mean, it handles both both kind of a real take of what it was like for the original series crew after the show ended, mm-hmm. what it was like for them, but also taking that and moving into the sci-fi realm in terms of what if you put William Shatner actually in the captain's chair? Mm. And we get to, you know, what if it was William Shatner playing, you know, like like we get kind of meta here. And I like that. I like that met- metaverse mm-hmm. kind of thing. And we'll talk about that, but we're not going to be alone. We have two special guests joining us next mm-hmm. week. Uh, we have uh, some very good friends of ours uh, uh, down south who uh, are love talking about movies, writing about movies, but they are not Star Trek fans. Are, we will admit it. They are not Star Trek fans, but they are movie fans. Uh, and so we have Video Drew and Nerd Chronic uh, who are going to join us next week uh, together uh, and we're going to talk about galaxy quest and uh, we wanted to get uh, a movie critics opinion on this that wasn't a star trek fan maybe mm. we could get a little bit of uh of, of downsizing of star trek and see what they say from their perspective would this mm. film make them want to watch star trek just a little bit more we'll talk about that next mm. week. i don't know we'll see what perspective that is but i'm looking forward to it love this movie brennan where can the people find you you can find me on Twitter, Running Mystical. You can follow this podcast on YouTube under the Page Turners. They were not Manor. Page Turners, they were not anywhere you get your podcasts. You can find me on Twitch and Twitter at C Ingle1984. My attempts to record my game playing sessions have failed. The card capture did not work. Uh, and so I'm just going to have to push off Star Trek month to a month where I can either get a better system or we make this work because you, the fans, deserve to see some Star Trek video game play. And I promised you, and it's going to happen. Of course. He keeps saying it, and it's going to happen. Uh, I keep trying to make it work, and it just doesn't work. I can play mm. it on my computer, but transferring it through OBS and all of that has been a little mm. more difficult than I'd like. So, but we're going to make it work. But with that, Brennan, I forgot to tell you. You're my chart each man. Chart each for life. Chart each for life. <laughs> Applaud. I live long with prosper. Peace and long life. <laughs>